Hello and welcome back to the Free to Brew show. I, of course, am your host, Greg Pulsher, and uh, we have a great episode planned out today. Uh, we actually um, had a very successful podcast a few months ago. Actually, I think it might have been last year. And uh, talking about Sunday equality and the idea that uh, you should be able to purchase uh, liquor, beer, wine uh, on Sunday as well, uh, just like any other day of the week. And to talk on the subject is Eric Rowell, uh, a Mecklenburg resident in Huntersville and a longtime advocate of Sunday equality. And without further ado, would love to introduce Eric. Eric, thanks for joining the the show. Hey, Greg. Thanks so much for having me back. Hey, uh, pleasure is all mine on this one. And Eric, uh, right off the bat, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I guess um, before we get into actual the passage and everything of this, uh, the issue at hand with Sunday equality. Well, you know, I think, Greg, the only thing that uh, your listeners need to know about me is that I have been a longtime passionate supporter of lowering the uh, time on Sundays uh, for purchase of alcohol in North Carolina. And it's kind of funny. I have, um, you know, uh, this, this, I, told, uh, I told you when you approached me about doing this show, I said, I don't know if, if your listeners would really be interested in just hearing us take a victory lap for 30 <laughs> minutes, but that's essentially what I think we're going to do here. Because, uh, you know, like, like myself, I know you are a supporter of this measure as well, long before any legislation was formally presented. In, uh, in the legislature this session. And, and I actually went back on Twitter uh, because I have been tweeting uh, re- you know, religiously, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> about this issue ever since I think the first official tweet I sent, I went back and found, was on July 6th of 2014. So for almost a solid three years now, I have been uh, tweeting on this issue to the legislature asking why uh, North Carolina should continue to restrict Sunday alcohol sales. So three years later, and the, and the, the uh, persistent tweet of, uh, finally paid off. Exactly. And the thing is, like, as far as a victory lap is concerned, I mean, you've been working basically since 2014. Uh, we or, we or we've all uh, had been trying to advocate and push for this bill. And uh, the thing is, we do need to take a little bit of a victory lap once we finally get these things through because it is a long, hard-fought battle out there. And granted, uh, we're not really stopping now. There's still more to be done. But, yeah, we definitely need to have a victory lap in this sense. And uh, I, I guess at this point, um, what, was, uh, what was the law in North Carolina um, up until, I, I guess, a couple weeks ago? Well, the, the, the former statute just restricted uh, cities and towns who had opted to allow Sunday alcohol sales because Sunday out some uh, there are still some areas that have uh, that do not allow Sunday alcohol sales at all in North Carolina and I guess we should we should distinguish here we're talking about uh, beer and wine as opposed to quote unquote spiritus liquors because uh, the the as it stands today the uh, ABC system in North Carolina uh, which which is how we distribute spiritus liquors uh, are all of those stores are closed still on Sunday so. So I guess, you know, in case anybody is confused, I don't want people showing up at their ABC stores um, this, this weekend on bright and early on <laughs> Sunday morning thinking they're going to be able to buy, uh, you know, their preferred liquor because we still do not have true Sunday equality when it comes to liquor. 
But as far as beer and wine goes, um, you know, before this current legislation, you were not able to purchase it prior to noon on Sundays. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I did not pull up the statutes again on this, but if, if I'm not mistaken, the, the most recent prior change before that occurred in 1993 when the time was lowered from 1 o'clock on Sunday until noon. So, you know, it took a good, it took a good 20 years or so to drop the time from 1 o'clock to noon and then um, – or I'm, I'm sorry, to drop the time from noon to 10. So it's probably going to take us about the same amount of time before we can really have true Sunday equality when the time is lowered from 10 a.m. to 7 a.m., which is the time that alcohol is allowed to be sold uh, every other day of the week. So, you know, this is progress, don't get me wrong, but we still do not have true Sunday equality yet in North Carolina. And I guess, I mean, as far as you were probably in the same boat as I, or maybe not in the sense when I first moved out here, um, I've had to take uh, numerous walks of shame back to uh, the uh, beer aisle in Target. Uh, I'd get up there at 1130 on a Sunday doing my uh, my shopping on the weekend. And uh, sure enough, uh, lady at the counter saying she's not going to sell that to me. And I think the first time I was actually sort of like taken aback. It's like, no, I have my ID. I, I can get this. It's like, no, it's not 12 o'clock. I was like, well, I really don't care. It's 1130. He's like, no, I can't sell it to you until 12. And looked down my watch, saw it was 11.35 and uh, didn't have 20 minutes. I just wanted to sit around and wait. Uh, but, uh, I mean, people that um, are opposed to this would mention, um, well, what does it matter? It's just a couple of hours. Why is this so important in the grand scheme of things? Well, exactly because of the scenario you presented, which happens, you know, which happened and probably will still happen. There probably will still people that try to purchase it before 10. But... You know the scenario you 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 referenced happened numerous times uh, every weekend in North Carolina for the last few decades. Uh, people would have to, you know, the, the 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 store in which they were shopping was not able to uh, allow that sale to take place until noon, and so people would either have to take it back or, like at at the grocery store that I generally go to on Sundays, they had a, a shopping cart right at the manager's counter. Uh, across from the checkout lanes that would every Sunday inevitably would have various uh, beers and wines in the shopping cart from where people had been told they couldn't purchase it. And I would always look at that uh, shopping cart in one, in my one grocery store. So it's purely anecdotal. But to me, that was clear evidence of all of the, the countless amount of sales tax revenues the state and the counties and the localities were not able to, to capture every weekend. And, and as far as on Sunday, like for the common person, you're either indifferent about it because either you just decide like, eh, it doesn't really matter a couple hours. But if you're indifferent, there really isn't a big drive for you to challenge or, or say like you don't want it changed. Uh, what type of or who actually is behind an effort to stop the or to trying to stop this change? Well, um, I, I, you know, I think um – the, the, you're right that most people, and that was the response I got for years. Um, and uh, w when I was dealing with this issue with legislatures, uh, with legislators, was you know, hey, look, there, there, there's really not a problem. No one's, um, no one's, you know, bugging me about this right now. Let's not expend our political capital on this issue. And so you're right. Most people really didn't want to challenge the status quo on this. 
But um, again, it goes back to me to the, the, you know I, I'm kind of I'm not really happy that the the quote unquote brunch bill label took off because that to me indicates that this is all about people wanting to go out and get their mimosas or their bloody marys on Sunday, and that I I, I would be willing to argue that that's a, a small minority mm-hmm. of people that were supporting this. Most people supporting this this measure of lowering the the purchase time uh, are people like me who just want to be able to purchase alcohol. At 10 a, or 10 between 10 and noon on Sundays, not actually imbibe alcohol starting at 10 a.m. Because exactly. as you're well aware, yeah. just because there was a law uh, against purchasing uh, until noon on Sundays, there was no there was nothing to prevent people who wanted to do so to start drinking it, as soon as they woke up on Sunday mornings. So I mean, it, the whole the whole premise of the law was specious to begin with. I mean, there was nothing to prevent people from drinking who wanted to drink. People like me don't want to get up on Sunday mornings uh, and start drinking right away. We just go to the grocery store just like we do every week. Uh, you know, people like me who work during the week, uh, my spouse works during the week. We don't generally have time to go to the grocery store Monday through Friday. Sunday's the day we go. Works out best for our family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just it's it's kind of inconvenient when I, have to, when I go early enough and have to wait until afternoon to buy alcohol. It just makes no sense. And a couple of points that you brought up there, I, I, it's sort of a side note, but I think a very important note is um, the political capital that everyone was willing to spend on this. And you going into uh, talk, the talk, talk, talking with the General Assembly, and they're just saying, eh, it's not a big issue, no one really cares about it. But I think that really, I mean, because th- this is just one issue, one point. I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of these types of laws out there that to a politician, if no one's yelling about it, they're not really going to do anything with it. But the thing is, there are thousands, if not millions of people that are affected by these odd, weird laws that really have no place for the government to really uh, be there. Uh, It's restricting uh, commerce, restricting free choice, consumer choice. Um, it, it, It can even restrict innovation and all because some it got put on the books a while back in a day long gone and now it's just sort of lingering there and if if not that if it's just lingering there and it's not being enforced that means at any moment a government or politician or a police officer could just jump in and decide well today's the day i start to enforce it even though for the past 10 20 30 years it's been just sit. It's been sitting there on the books, and there's been countless numbers of times um, in uh, during pro during prohibition e- even that uh, old books that were from the early 1800s uh, that dealt with uh, horse thieves uh, would be implemented su- su- or su- suddenly out of nowhere on how to rein in people who are distilling and selling beer and alcohol. Uh, during right. the 30s. And and th- I think this is just a pivotal point to show that there needs to be something done about these old laws that just have no place uh, in a free society, in a society that wants liberty and freedom to be the highlight of our state. Um, and, uh, and do you think that, there, that there's, um, I guess, more issues at play in this as far as um, other laws that we can focus on here in the near future? Well, I mean, I think you put me on the spot there as far as other issues that I'm, you know, targeting next because honestly, I had focused on this issue solely for so long. Uh, but yes, there, there's absolutely no doubt there are laws on the books 
that benefit a, a, a small minority of, of residents um, or, or you know, business owners uh, to the detriment of, of other people in the state. Um, but I think that's why I'm such a fan of sunset provisions and legislation, mm-hmm. because there, there's very few laws that we should put on the books and never revisit ever again yep. to make sure they're doing what they were intended to do. Uh, this is this is a great example of that. And you know what you're talking about, though, is the classic uh, example. And I'm not an economist, but I'm a, a big big follower of certain economists. So I've picked up on some of these concepts over the years uh, of, of what you would call, I think, concentrated benefits and dispersed cost mm-hmm. and and this this uh you know noon on sunday uh prohibition of, about you know not being able to buy alcohol clearly benefited certain people over others and but it was su- it, you know, there was such a small uh cost to the average person like you said most people are not trying to run out and buy alcohol every sunday um that you know most people just didn't get worked up about it it wasn't worth their time and effort to expend to get this law changed for the very, very small uh, benefit they were going to receive. And, and that's the case with so many laws, you know, federally and state, locally. Uh, there, there are all kinds of examples of laws like that. Um, but, you know, to me, this was always just a grassroots thing. Uh, I was just trying to raise awareness about it. Uh, I was trying to build a little bit of momentum so that a few politicians may not be to, be able to ignore it. Um, because to me, this this was a, a win-win for everyone, mm-hmm. uh, except for you know certain people. You know, say for example, those at the Christian Action League, who were clearly the most vocal opponents of this. Once you really sat down and talked with somebody about the the economic benefits of this legislation, uh, you know, most politicians said, okay, well, you know, you're onto something there. There really is no good, quote unquote, rational basis to continue this. So let's look at changing it. Um, and then that does take some time, and so if anybody does, I would encourage you know any listener who's got that niche issue of theirs that they're passionate about, um, you know, don't give up. I mean, you know, just just do what you can to promote promote awareness of that issue, and eventually, you know, a politician's going to pay attention, and you may get a bill entered, and it may not get approved or voted on that first session, uh, and it may die in committee a few times, but eventually, you're going to get uh, enough people to pay attention that the momentum will grow. Just like it did with the omnibus alcohol legislation this session, where you know it was clearly there, there was clearly bipartisan support. This was not a one-sided issue, and that was the great thing about it. That's why it got you know approved, I think, so fast when it went to Governor Cooper. Um, is is you know they had the votes to override it, but it was not just a Republican issue. This was this this issue had bipartisan support. So, and uh, I mean, to uh, like to a hat tip to the other fighters that were out there, like Craft Freedom. Uh, this bill didn't have the lobbying uh, effort as far as on the counter end, like as far as the millions of dollars that was put into keeping other bills out of play. Right, right. I think you're right about that. I think, uh, and I even noted that since the passage of this bill, uh, you know, we've got the the list that continues to grow of of cities, municipalities, and, and counties that are approving their own ordinances, and there's really been a surprising lack of vocal opposition to to this bill and to the subsequent enactment of these uh, enabling ordinances in the various counties and towns. Um, for example, you know, here in, in Huntersville, we became uh, yesterday uh, around, you know, 4 or 4.30 in the afternoon, the town board had a special meeting and voted unanimously to approve the ordinance here in Huntersville, making Huntersville the first town in Mecklenburg County to allow 
Sunday sales at 10 a.m. Now, Mecklenburg County Commission actually met later last night and then approved the same measure that would affect the unincorporated parts of the county. Um, but, you know, it, there, there was, it was unanimous here in Huntersville. And, you know, you may think of Huntersville as a suburb of Charlotte, fairly conservative suburb. But even here, uh, you know, you didn't even have a loan holdout on the town board in an election year, mind you, municipal election year, um, where you would think, well, there's got to be some, you know, somebody who thinks, well, let me at least vote against this to appease certain elements of my base. And, but there wasn't. It was unanimous. And, and from what I've seen, uh, whether it be in Carborough, uh, Raleigh, Surf City, Emerald Isle, no, no not Emerald Isle, Atlantic, Atlantic Beach, um, and I think Hendersonville, I, I, I don't know of any real vocal opposition in any of those uh, counties or cities yet that have passed this. And I think that's a point that we had forgotten to mention on this, that although uh, the bill is passed uh, by uh, the state, it actually leaves uh, whether or not you want to open up sales of uh, beer and wine at retail or at, um, at, uh, at restaurants to the city and the county. So there has to be an additional vote now at the city and the county uh, before your locality or before you can purchase this at your locality. And in uh, uh, this one, and this bill in particular, um, I found just to be spectacular just as far as all the great things that were being included. I mean, granted, it's not as far as I would have wanted it to have gone, but there wasn't uh, really a negatives in this as far as hurting anyone. It just, op- I mean, of course, you could say it hurts certain types of people, but as far as opening up to let individuals, consenting adults, uh, decide for themselves what they want to do, the values they want to place, uh, the purchases that they want to make, it opened up freedom of that. And it's not forcing anyone to consume. It's not forcing anyone to go out on Sunday and purchase or consume alcohol. It's just allowing the choice to be had at this point without making criminals out of a grown adults, making criminals out of someone who has a mimosa on Sunday at 10 a.m. We're making a criminal out of someone who purchases a six pack of beer for the entire week on Sunday at 10 a.m. And, right. and I think that's a big point that we forget about in this is that we're like with these laws, we are making someone a criminal at the end of the day for doing something that is not hurting anybody. Well, I mean, that's a great point. And, and I think that's um, something that kind of got overlooked in some of the early news reports about this bill. Uh, and I have seen a few people uh, just un- just assume that once the bill was passed and the governor signed it, that everywhere across the state would now be able to purchase it. Tim, but you're right; it is it allows localities to opt in to this measure. So, so you're right that actually, you know, this gives us a, a certain measure of local control to each county and each town whether or not they want to make this a part of um, you know their local town's ordinances. And I think that's a good that's a good thing because you know as a, as a small small um, you know government's limited government advocate I mean I think local control is generally better, and so you know there there are plenty of towns plenty of counties across the state that probably are never going to take this up for a vote, or if they take it up they may actually vote it down, just like we still have counties that don't allow Sunday sales at all uh, you know in, in the state counties and towns so yeah I mean I think that's a good point uh, you do have to opt into it. And, um, you know, obviously, like you said, even if a city or town opts in to something, 
clearly if you're not uh, somebody who's going to drink alcohol or not inclined to, to drink alcohol, the, the enactment of this legislation is not all of a sudden going to turn an otherwise uh, sober individual into a raging alcoholic. Um, I mean, you know, despite what uh, some people at the Christian Action League may argue to the contrary. I want to touch on that point, but uh, but to follow up, um, what other points or what other um, freedoms are North Carolinians allowed to partake in due to this bill? Well, uh, you know, there were some other aspects of it that I did not follow as closely. Um, for example, you know, I'm sorry, what's that? Oh, no, I was just, um, I, oh. I, I didn't uh, say anything. Sorry about that. Yeah, I was saying there were some other aspects of the omnibus legislation that I really didn't follow as closely regarding um, some of the quote-unquote craft freedom elements, uh, some of the distillery elements. Um, but but those are elements I think that are going to that were introduced this time, and that are probably not going to that are, that are probably going to be followed up on in the next session. Uh, I know that there were, for example, one of the elements that ended up getting voted down was uh, allowing tastings in ABC stores. Um, you know, uh, and, and the argument being, you know, this is an ABC store. It's, it stands for Alcohol Beverage Control. So we're not really uh, following up much on the C aspect of, of the ABC system if we're going to start allowing tastings in the stores. Um, and so there are definitely some elements that I think are going to get followed up on direct shipment of, of certain products. I think certain distillery products um, was actually taken out as well. So some of those things are probably going to be reviewed again in the future. But but the the craft freedom element was clearly the biggest disappointment. And but I think there was enough momentum in in trying to raise the distribution cap for uh, local brewers, uh, local local beer uh, uh, makers that that is going to be something that is going to get approved in the next session because you know it got voted down in committee. But I think you saw a big. Uh, groundswell of support for that issue um, amongst all kinds of, of people statewide. And uh, there was definitely an outcry when that got voted down, surprisingly, in committee at the last minute. And, and, and I think people are pretty, uh, I think people are pretty clear that the campaign contributions from the NC Beer and Wine Wholesalers are really the, the, the driving force behind that issue not getting a final vote. And, and that's something you're going to see come back up, I'm um, fairly confident about, which, again, is, is a win for consumers statewide. It may not be a win for distributors, but as someone who looks at, at things from the viewpoint of a consumer, you know, whatever's best for the consumer is generally something I'm in favor of. Um, so I think that's something you're going to see come back uh, in probably as early as the next session. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, we can have a whole other show about uh, the issues with the di- the distributors and their failed logic on a lot of these on these issues but thing is uh they do have the money and they they're they are the ones that are able to lobby with millions of dollars uh to make sure their bills get passed and to that point um with with the passage of the of the brunch bill um we saw not a lot of effort out there to combat it except in some of the religious groups and historically North Carolina has been a very um, religious oriented state when it comes to policy and uh, laws that are enacted do you think this is a potential shift that we're seeing right now and as the years move forward well, I mean, look, that's that's a big question and I'm clearly not qualified to answer something like that But but I will say 
that I, I think in years past you would have seen a more organized effort to oppose something like this. And as, as I saw somebody tweet, I think last Sunday after Raleigh, um, Raleigh made this official. I think I saw somebody from Raleigh tweet out that, you know, hey, I went to church this Sunday, and surprisingly there were still other parishioners here with me as well <laughs> worshiping. Uh, we all didn't rush out to the bars and skip church just because this law, was, this ordinance was, was enacted in Raleigh. So, you know, again, I, you know, I, I wish the people that were, that were opposed to this would be open and honest about it. Generally, the opposition to this uh, is not some type of vague health and safety opposition. It's just a pure effort to, pro, you know, to enact prohibition. Some people are more willing to be open and honest about this. Some are not. But the, most of the opposition to this, uh, when it comes down to it, these people would be opposed to, uh, would be in favor of banning alcohol sales completely uh, every day of the week, not just on Sunday. Um, but, but I think the fact that you have seen such a small, narrow uh, amount of opposition to this, I think clearly does uh, events some type of, of shift in, uh, in North Carolina politics. I don't know how far that that's going to go and how far it's going to carry over into other issues, though. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I can't think of I, I I love the quote, but for whatever reason, every time I try to think of it, I can't get the exact words uh, that were put so eloquently. But uh, really, you can't legislate virtue. I mean, you can't have virtue without freedom of choice. And uh, there's I've seen a lot of tweets out there, too, and a lot of uh, people that are talking about that sort of a subject matter uh, in this sense. Uh, but as far as with the legislature that's concerned, um, what type of, was there any sort of opposition at the General Assembly, and what were their arguments, or do you know what their arguments were? Did they voice them? With regards to uh, oh, the, the Sunday sales aspect correct. specifically? Well, I, get, well, I guess in general, the brunch bill in general, yeah. You know, honestly, I did not hear much in the way of opposition. Now, um, once this bill got going, you know, I followed it uh, somewhat closely with regards to my legislators, and I was, uh, you know, encouraging them to support this, which with which both my state senator and state representative did. Um, and, and from what I could tell, it appeared that the measure was moving forward. Um, and, and like I think one of the House committees, when they approved adding the retail aspect of this, not just the not just allowing restaurants to sell, but but when when the when the I think the amended the amendment passed allowing retail. Uh, sales at 10 a.m. as well. That passed. I just felt pretty confident that it was going to move forward and be approved. So honestly, I didn't pay as much attention as I normally would to some of the opposition. Um, I do know the final vote. There were some surprising, uh, you know, votes against it. For example, one person I generally agree with most of his votes and most of his rationale for the things he supports, Representative Millis. He actually voted against the omnibus legislation, uh, and and I emailed him curious about his reasons against the bill. I have not heard back yet, and, and to be fair, he is not my representative, so I'm not one of his constituents. But, um, you know, no, I really cannot speak to any specific objections I heard to this other than the, the typical and traditional respect for, for Sunday and, and why, you know, as you said earlier, you know, why rock the boat, why, why, why change the status quo, uh, who's really pushing for this type arguments. Um, and but other than that, I really couldn't speak to any specific uh, uh, opposition. Okay. Um, and, and with this one, we, I mean, it, it finally was a success. There are more. There is more to be done. 
Uh, but uh, looking at this, uh, this might be a put you on the spot type of a question, but uh, we want to copy this. I mean, we want to expand upon this. We want to know what made this successful. Uh, I mean, even maybe what things we could have done better. Uh, but um, as far as looking back at uh, now the, or the signers of passage and now the enactment of this bill, uh, what can we learn on how to replicate this in the future? Well, um, you know, one thing I always tried to do was to engage in, in dialogue and, and conversations with people who who were not who may have either either been apathetic towards this issue or you know even inclined to oppose it, uh, and, and just generally asking those questions was was a big first step. You know, I years ago emailed every member of the legislature and and asked them for any, you know, rational basis for continuing this legislation. I heard back from a few, a handful. I think I heard back from six out of the, uh, what is it, 170 or so mm-hmm. members of the legislature. And, and generally speaking, that was the response I got back was, well, you know, why change the status quo? And I was able to start a conversation with some of those people uh, at that point. But, you know, listen, like I said earlier, if you're passionate about something, you know, stick with it and, and um you know, eventually other people are going to start to pay attention and start to take notice, especially if you have the arguments on your side, um, which in this case, you know, I felt like we did. I felt like the the, um, the reasons to support this bill far outweighed any reasons that I was aware of to oppose it. And, and when you have the arguments on your side, eventually, you know, if you're persistent, you're going to be able to convince people to come along. As long as you do it, you know, you present these arguments in, in a fair and an objective uh, and respectful way. So you know, it's it's one thing about social media. It is always easy to see an opponent as a bad person or somebody not worthy of of your respect. But I, you know, I, this probably just doesn't even need to be said. But if you know, if you've got an issue you're passionate about and you're pushing, obviously, if somebody disagrees with you, um, you know, you go about it in a careful way when you explain to them why you think your position is the correct one. So it's easy. That's an easy thing to get lost, though, in these days of social media. Yeah, and you make some very great points there. I mean, uh, we tend to think that uh, we send off these nasty tweets, these nasty Facebook posts, these weird replies that are out there. But at the end of the day, um, I'm actually I've been very surprised at and, and pleasantly surprised at how quickly and and really legislators will respond. Uh, to a re a request. I mean, there are times where they may just overlook it. They may not want to respond to you. Uh, they may not care. But the thing is, if you use like objective language, if you are respectful, I mean, that I think that's a very key point is respectful. I mean, if you send off an email and you've got a few curse words in the uh, front line or telling them they're an idiot, it may not be the best way for someone to open up an email or open up a letter. But uh, if you're respectful, you call them, uh, you do try to talk with them because, I mean, at the end of the day, these these there's nothing special about any of these people that are in government. All they are human beings. Uh, they're just like us, and most more often than not, they are trying to do what they think is best. I I mean, there are points where I can point out say, no, that's that's not what's happening here. But really, you gotta sort of give some of them the benefit of the doubt at the end of the day. But that's how you're gonna get them to respond. And those are the people you want to respond back to you because those are ones you can have the best impact on, the most impact on, and actually get to the point like we are here uh, where we're doing a victory lap, where we're actually saying we finally got this thing passed. And uh, so, I mean, it's a wonderful feeling at this point, but there is more to be done. And uh, uh, sort of 
getting towards the end of the show here. Final question, really. Uh, one, want to find out from you, um, what do you think is the next step? And two, uh, want to give you the final say on whatever you you would like. Well, you know, for me, I think at this point, I'm, I'm probably just going to retire from social media because <laughs> uh, I, I definitely don't plan to start tweeting this Sunday about bringing back Sunday equality. Let's lower it down to 7 a.m. I think uh, <laughs> I think I've worn out my welcome, so to speak, with a certain certain members of the legislature constantly tweeting every week uh, and uh, and tagging them in certain posts. So I think I probably should take a little time off. And, and maybe somebody else will, will pick up the banner and run with the, the Sunday Equality uh, hashtag. I, you know, if anybody's listening and wants to start uh, pushing for lowering 10 a.m. sales to 7 a.m. sales as it is on every other day, I will uh, welcome the assistance there. But, you know, again, I think, like you said, uh, starting that dialogue, um, being respectful about it, whatever your issue may be is the next step. And uh, I, I look forward to hopefully supporting the craft freedom movement uh, with regards to you know their arguments for why we need to increase the distribution cap in the next in the next session. Um, but you know now I'm going to have to sit back and and I think maybe my next battle is going to be um, you know the the uh, the forced association, a violation of freedom of association when it comes to uh, county and state bar associations for attorneys. But again, another issue that I'm that I'm another fight that I'm picking that's going to have very limited public support because. Uh, it's one thing to try to change the status quo when it comes to alcohol laws. It's it's another to try to gin up any sympathy for attorneys who are forced to pay, uh, you know, bar dues uh, against their will to local and state bar associations every year. But, you know, that's one of the next issues I'm probably going to pick up with. It's it's another uphill battle, though. So I, I don't pick easy ones. I got to find something easy, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, it, I got to find some low hanging fruit in the next session. Hey, I guess it's uh, I, 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 it keeps you occupied at least, uh, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it does. There, there's not. There, there's, that's that's true. I need to find a catchy hashtag now for um, for you know attorneys having you know forcibly having to pay bar dues every year. Oh, that'd be a fun one to figure out. <laughs> but uh, hey, listen, and and I don't know, you know, if, if you've gone public with this yet. I know you have on social media, but I guess I need to to wish you farewell officially. Uh, and wish you wish you luck in your next phase in life, since apparently you are no longer going to be living amongst us here in North Carolina for much longer. Oh, you're right. Uh, this will uh, probably be the first show that I have out that uh, actually announcing that. But uh, yeah, you're right. Um, I just announced uh, the other day that I will be moving to Australia for four years, uh, working uh, uh, progressing liberty there. Uh, figuring out uh, the differences and the changes between the two systems, between Australia and the United States, and really excited to see uh, just the dialogue and how they're going to be uh, discussing issues of liberty and freedom and progress in the in the uh, land to, uh, or the top of the world, really. But uh, yeah, we'll be leaving in October, and I'm hoping to continue this, but I really appreciate that, thank, and, and thank you. Uh, but um uh, really, uh, want to give you a plug. Um, you've got a wonderful blog out there that I really want to make sure that uh, the listeners know about. And also, pending your uh, coming back onto Twitter and Facebook, uh, how would the listener find out or follow you more on a lot of these subjects that you're well, taking? Well, on? thanks for that, Greg. Um, my website is just my name. It's just ericwrowell.com, and the last name's R-O-W-E-L-L. 
So if you just search for that, you'll, you'll be able to get to the website. But I'll go ahead and warn anyone who's who's heading that way. If you're not interested particularly in local politics in Mecklenburg County, it's probably not going to be for you. Most of the uh, entries that I, that I type up are focused on specific issues here in my town because I am a big proponent of thinking and acting locally because that is clearly where you're going to have the most impact. Um, you know, I, I, I will occasionally touch on some issues that take place in Raleigh. I don't think I've blogged about anything national yet because, to, uh, you know, let's be honest, no one really cares in D.C. what I have to say about anything. Uh, very few people care in Raleigh what I have to say, but at least a few people, I don't know if, I, I don't know if they care what I have to say here in Huntersville, but they at least pay attention exactly. <laughs> to what I say. So, yeah, it's ericwrowell.com. Um, and you know you can follow me on Twitter if again if you're interested in Huntersville politics it's just at Eric W Rowell. Excellent. Hey, well, Eric, the, or the pleasure's been all mine. Thank you so much uh, for joining me on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. All right. Well, that's going to be the end of the show. Of course, you can always uh, follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Free to Brew NC. Also on the blog as well, which, as Eric had mentioned, uh, will have eventual Australian issues as well, or the comparisons of the two systems uh, up on the blog at Pulse of Liberty. Dot com. But uh, thank you all for joining in today. And like we always say here on the show, without beer, there can be no liberty. And without liberty, there can be no beer. <laughs> <laughs>